Tez will... can't believe I'm about to say this. Tez will swim directly towards it. <laughs> so you're coming at, you're coming from behind. Yes, exactly. Right, I see where you're going. Okay. Yeah. Great. You do that. Live from the Mundangerous Seaside Scrum in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 306 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play Season 2, Episode 6. In this episode, we're playing through an adventure inspired by a deep and creeping darkness from the 5th edition adventure collection, Candlekeep Mysteries. Tez Proudgale has finally tracked down the beast, and it is us. No, it's, it's a Warforged Titan uh-huh. uh, with some undead crew. Who are possibly revenants. Tez is insisting they are revenants. Hey, you Shane, know. the player is willing them into revenant existence. <laughs> who's who's to say what they are or are not? Perhaps we're all revenants. Uh, he's also after five thousand gold pieces. This is the most important thing that he secured with his kidnapping scheme. Uh, <laughs> was a shot at five thousand gold pieces for having chutzpah. I'm excited to see if if you live and you succeed and you get paid. If you are giving half of it to Lucas, as you promised. It's it's not like I'm going to offer him half or offer him a different deal. Why would I do that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not a rogue archaeologist or anything. He did burn down his inn. <laughs> his only livelihood for mm, 80 years? Correct. All right, when last we left... When last we finished gaslighting NPCs. <laughs> Tez, Amipo, and Scalabro had joined forces with, strangely, Bishop Oscarda, who seems to have basically been the cause of this entire kerfuffle years ago. Well, okay, so that's what I thought, but it seems like she's less cause and more failed to properly put a lid on a problem she didn't cause. Yeah, yeah, that that could be it. I mean, she's more like the cause of the cover-up than the cause of the of the issue, right? Yeah, but we could just blame her hubris. I mean, that's what Tez really tried to do, and then we spent a whole episode convincing Shane to not think that. So, <laughs> who knows how Tez has come along? And now they have tracked the beast to its lair, which is. It's grave, which has now been filled in over the years with rainwater and is a lake. They are armed with their master plan, which is to rip a panel off the back of the Titan and cast a House Caneth shutdown code by turning it vermilion. And then, I don't know, put these restless spirits to bed for good. Uh, yeah, I for one can't see any flaws in this plan, so. I think you're going to do great. Thank you. You have some ready actions, I believe, as the Titan. One hand is a rotating series of, you can find the swords, and the other is an arcane cannon with fire in its gullet this time. Mm-hmm. And it ever so quietly stomps along the beach, leaving no tracks and making hardly any noise at all, coming right for you. Skelebro has a charge ready, I believe. This is true. Uh, I believe one other detail that we should mention here is that it is made of both 
uh, nettle and stone, but also a corrupted wood reminiscent of the twig blades that we ran into uh, in our last adventure. That's very true. So some type of necrotic wood. Gross. Corrupted wood. Uh, yeah, so Skelebro and... Uh, well, all of all of the party actually have some ready to action, so uh, let's start with Skelebro charging headlong into this thing and uh, getting up in its grill with his with with the great sword that uh, was frustratingly ineffective last time. He can see this time, so he can see, but can he roll better? <laughs> is the question. Uh, I don't remember what the AC of this thing was. Does a nine plus six fifteen hit? It. Does not. Uh, Skelebro is blessed, but I'll tell you right now, the, the even a four won't help. What? A, f- a nineteen won't hit this. We're level three. Yeah, you're level four. Uh, no and... one knows. <laughs> and it, it is a fifteen foot tall creature made of metal, stone, and wood. Should be easy to hit. Uh, okay. Well, in that case, despite perhaps lacking a head, uh, it is called a head knocker. Mm, it's true. Can can Meepo see the crew? Yes, you definitely can see the crew. Um, they are two uh, undead corpses staring unblinkingly, uh, standing on platforms about halfway up the creature in, built into its side. So Skelebro's greatsword clangs off metal armor, and Meepo raises a sling. Yeah, and he, he, he it's look, it's called a head knocker. He's looking for heads to knock. He's going to aim for the uh the closest of the crew. All right. So, it's a 14 plus 5 plus 2 on the bless is a 21 versus AC. I will definitely hit one of the undead. Let's see which one. Oh, okay. Roll damage. 8 damage with a sling. All right, so the sling bullet flies unerringly, smacks right into the skull of the nearest undead on the platform, and it wails, not in pain, but maybe it seems almost confusion. This is the first time in eight years it's been injured, and that means it is going to make a concentration check. Mm, So it's DC 10 because it would be four damage, right? Okay, so it succeeds. Yes, correct. <laughs> so this thing is on the beach. Mm-hmm. And heading, well, it was heading toward the party, but now Skelebro is in melee with it. Right. Uh, and I believe that Tez had used the newly found ring of swimming to swim out into the water mm-hmm. and sort of rile it up and catch its attention. That's right. While it is distracted by Skelebro, Tez will can't believe I'm about to say this. Tez will swim directly towards it. <laughs> so you're coming at you're coming from behind. It. Yes, exactly. Right, I see where you're going. Okay. Yeah. Great. You do that. With fast hands and more importantly, with uh that other ability. Right, you have a you climb at normal speed. Uh second story work. I would like to second story work my way <laughs> up this uh this Titan, please. Fifteen feet sounds like two stories to me, okay? Uh, all right, so climbing is normally athletics, but I think here, I mean, you certainly could, like, clamber up the thing. I have a feeling, though, that Tez is going to try to spryly leap atop it. 
Ishinama Rogue Archaeologist, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tez is going to use the whip that has been on his belt the entire time oh to help himself climb up. <laughs> I'm calling it an acrobatics check. What do you think? I love that. Great. You know what? Sometimes you need a lodger's blessing, and sometimes you do not. I rolled a 20 plus 5, 25. Jesus, okay. The dice have dictated that I am Indiana Jones, and you cannot take this from me, sir. All right, so you're in the water, uh, swimming extraordinarily quickly. You you cut through the water like it almost isn't there, and you have a swim speed, actually. that it, huh? That means that you can use weapons normally underwater. The whip unfurls from just beneath the waves again like the water doesn't slow it at all and wraps perfectly around its uh cannon arm uh one foot plants onto one of its large metal stumps and you use the whip to flip yourself up onto its back there's a spike that you noticed earlier on the top of its back like a shell you grab onto it with one hand and you are atop this thing now you can see that the wood that looks like it's made of twig blights uh, is part of it but also growing around it like uh, roots and they have grown completely around what you can now see is a small hatch clever just beneath that spike very clever whose turn is it <laughs> uh, all the rated actions went off so if you don't have anything else it'll be the titan's turn and then we're top of the round uh, I do not believe I have anything else haven't I done enough haven't you done enough you say to Ascarda um all right, you're on the back of the Titan, but Scalabro is right in front of it. How far away is Meepo? Or, like, where is Meepo right now? Uh, I mean, Meepo is on the shore, uh, mm -hmm. roughly where... Uh, they were kind of in a group on the shore while Tez swam out, so I, I feel like he is roughly where Scalabro left from, so he's got to be within... Right, and he's, and he's close enough to use a, a sling. Yeah, so right. I think that, that must make him 20 feet away. The Titan strides past Scalabro. Well, that just won't fly. Scalabro will have his revenge with an opportunity attack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this one will obviously work better than last time. <laughs> it's an 18 total. Including the bless? Uh-huh. Yep, that's still going to miss. Okay. Again, clangs right off the, the thick armor. Uh, so it silently climbs up through the wet sand and positions itself what looks like directly between Skelebro and Meepo. And then with a... The three long swords retract into its forearm and out swings the ten-foot greatsword. And from its waist, it suddenly swings and the greatsword slices out first exactly at the height of Skelebro's neck and then dipping ever so gently down as it swings around 180 degrees to the very height of Meepo's neck. They both make dexterity saving throws. They're both accomplished fighters who 
definitely rolls super well, and there's no reason to ask what it is. He, they obviously saved. Of course they did. Of course um, they did. But just just for posterity, since this is an actual play, to keep everybody honest. Right. Uh Nepo has an eight. Buddy. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Skelebro has a twelve plus one is thirteen. Mm, mm, okay. Well, um, let me grab some more d8s. This isn't the worst thing in the world. The damage roll. That's the worst thing in the world. They each take 17 slashing damage. Yeah, that isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's pretty close. It's not good. Uh, so yeah, you can see what seems pretty obvious to Tez to be its beheading maneuver. Uh-huh. Well, most importantly, both of Tez's companions have their heads on their shoulders, though Meepo has five hit points left. Oh, Jesus. Um, they, yep, they have uh, pretty bad uh, gashes in the head and neck area. Um, th- they are conscious and they see it coming and they're not blinded by fog. So they are able to dodge enough out of the way so that their heads aren't lopped completely uh, cleanly from their shoulders. But there's, uh, there's quite a bit of blood. Uh-huh. Now speckling the sand. Uh, the Titan, the undead that Meepo did not hit, uh, wails, and uh, from its hands billows fog again. And Tez is uh, completely enveloped from below, and now he can't see anything. Same with Scalabro and Meepo. So everything is in dark fog again. You are all are all effectively blinded. That means that they are also in dark fog, though, right? Uh, you believe so? That seems to be the case. Yeah. How far away were they from Tez? Uh, your companions? Uh, no. The uh, well, specifically the one who cast the spell. Oh, they would be ten ten feet below you. Although you have, you know, the big bulk of a Warforged Titan in between it, uh, you and it. Between, wait, sorry. So, so I thought the undead, Tez... are, the undead are on the platforms, and you are standing on the Titan's back. So where is the platform on the Titan? It's built into its side, like its ah. chassis. Ah, got it. Okay. Well, so you can't see, but you can still feel that you are holding onto the spike at the center of the hatch. Uh, and then you hear from out in the fog, Ascarda. Don't worry, I'll handle this. Uh, you know what? Okay, so Tez is already more or less in position here. Uh, mm-hmm. and just needs to get this hatch open. Strength is not going to be his uh his move here. Is the spike like part of the like panel? You think you think so? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like. Like I, I could use the spike basically as like a lever to, like, get purchase on pulling this panel up. If I could break the, pull it strong enough to break the, like, vines or roots that have sort of covered it up. Right, and you know there might also be like a a latch. The spike is probably not the latch, but who knows? Ah, ha 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 ha. That's a good point. But like, it's built into the hatch, right? So you have leverage. Right. Okay. Uh, so I uh, so so Tez is, is once again a thief, uh, meaning he has fast hands. 
Mm -hmm. uh, he can very quickly work, uh, <laughs> like tease a lock or find a latch or generally use these tools, uh, you know, to, to make mechanics work the way he wants them to, or just take the use an object action. Totally. Um, and if there's one thing you know about thieves tools, it's that you don't get to see the inside of the locking mechanism when you tease it open. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is like the perfect cover for Tez. Uh, his thinking is, Hey, I don't need to see it anyway. All I'm trying to do is feel around uh, for what I need to unlatch so that I can just wrench this thing open. And I'll worry about wrenching it later. Let me just get it unlatched. So you're going to safe crack this thing? I'm going to safe crack it, yeah. Do it. All right. The question here is, do I use my action to request Aladra's blessing? Mm -hmm. Or do I save the action to do something more fun later? You know what? Sometimes you got to be brave and heroic and do things on your own. That's what Tez is going to do here. Well, let's see what happens. Sometimes you got to be brave and heroic and do things on your own. <laughs> and sometimes you try to pick a lock in a, in a fog cloud <laughs> and you roll a one. Nice. <laughs> Which is a six. <laughs> now, I, w I will say this. Had you guidanced, you still would have only maxed it at a, at a ten. Correct. But you do have your action, and you could try it again. I'm going to try it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Two cracks is better than one. That's mm -hmm. what I always say about safes. Okay, this is a more normal Tez roll. I rolled a 16 plus 5 is 21. Uh, a real marked improvement, I will say. It is much better. The best part about this is that nobody can see him fail. Right, well, you might hear him fail, uh, so the first time he is searching around trying to pry his fingers under the hatch and figure out how this thing is actually sealed. Um, and he seems to trip some sort of fail safe and take seven lightning damage as it shocks him. There's a, yeah, he utters a, a, a very loud oath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, once you've already been burned, it means you've just, you discovered something. Um, and so, yes, he's able to uh, work his uh, hands around to the exact opposite side where he can feel a latch. Um, and he can actually tell that this thing has been underwater for so long that there's so much rust. If he, like, presses it in, it just stays in. So he's pretty sure it's unlatched. Now he'll just need to remove the vines. Got it. You still have party actions. If you'd like to use them, or, or I mean, they can wait as well, right? Uh, yeah, but I, I want to wait for the fog cloud to disappear. Okay. Uh, that seems to be the, the prudent thing. And that happens. Just as quickly as it billowed forth, it, it parts like it was cut in two. And you can see that she still has her hands out, uh, directing uh, a blast of wind in your direction. You feel like if you didn't have the spike to hold on to, there's actually a great chance that you'd be blown off. The wind is so strong. Oh. Uh, but again, it, it dissipates. And she's still holding her hands, so it looks like this is continuing. Got it. At least at least for now. Uh, so it happens. You can all see again as uh, the, the fog uh, disappears. And she yells, okay, well, do something. And that'll be her turn. This is a gust of wind spell. This is something mm -hmm. that is 
fairly common across uh, Corvair because, you know, mage rights, uh, the wind rights use it, you know, for, for basic transportation stuff, right? So right. Gust of Wind is a, a, like, concentration spell that, like, works over time. Is that correct? Or is it, like, a single round casting type deal? You can concentrate on it for, I think it's up to a minute. Okay. Um, the specifics... Yeah, does, I'm not going to make you make an unconscious check. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, I just need to know if this is going to be sustained wind or uh, if this is something that she'll have to, like, keep doing. The The reasoning being, uh, Tez comes from a long line. You might say Tez is the son of a son of a sailor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whose forefathers harnessed the wind before him. And he is going to harness that wind himself, but he's going to do that after Meepo uh, tries to knock out this fog fog monster permanently. All right, great. So this will be Meepo uh, whipping around the head knocker and taking another crack at... He'll just keep hitting the same target. That makes more sense. Um, Meepo is a man who (laughs) likes to claim his trophies. (laughs) So (laughs) this will be another one for uh, for, for the collection, I think. Uh, so it's a 12 plus 2 uh, plus whatever his static is. I think it's plus 5. So 19 versus AC. Yep, that'll hit. Yeah, damage was not as good this time. Only 6 damage. 6 damage. That's not bad. This doesn't hit uh, ahead, but does smash through um, a rib cage, And it it gives almost like a an exhalation like it's letting go and suddenly you can hear much more clearly all the sounds of the beast it's mechanical parts whirring and and moving the screech of the rusted metal and each of the small steps it, it takes as it continues to turn and reposition itself to make sure it's uh, it has Scalabro in its sights now it's, it's a, a thunderous thump on the sand. Pass without trace, probably. Yeah, Meepo can see that the one that uh, he's now hit twice, uh, if he looks closely, you can see like the remnants of uh, an old rotted bow and some tattered green clothing. All right, that leaves Skelebro. Uh All right, Skelebro is going to get between himself and Meepo. Uh, or, sorry, uh, like, like get next to Meepo um, so that he can protect him uh, with his greatsword. Right. He can do that without provoking because he's not currently adjacent. Uh, and then, yeah, he's going to... Uh, it seems like almost as much as try to, like, cut anything with his greatsword, it seems he's almost just trying to jam his greatsword into gears um, <laughs> okay. and try and cause some damage here, but he's, yeah, just, I think... A, a very frustrated swing of the sword. This feels like a wreck. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a rig. Okay, this is this is good. This is genuinely a good roll. Uh, Thirteen plus three plus his static is six, so twenty-two for AC. Twenty-two hits. I think the static might be better than that because remember he gets an additional plus two for being a warrior. Uh, yeah, but his. Uh, his I think that's already 16, equal. sixteen strength, so it should three. be plus seven. Five, yes, yeah, yeah, it should be. Mm-hmm. It's plus seven. That hits. That definitely hits. It hits true. Finally. Uh, three and a two on the two d six plus three is eight damage. 
and this would be as good a time as any for him to take a deep breath and reset his will to fight with a second win. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that will heal him for nine more damage. Uh, HP of five plus four. Finally hits it and uh, splinters off a, a, a bit of the wood. Real sigh of relief from Skelebro. <laughs> not used to being so consistently ineffective. Finally. I've met my match. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you do anything else? I think that's my whole round. Skelebro would position himself for protection fighting style, right? Like, that's that's what he does. <laughs> so it's not his fault that it's all deck saves all the way down. Well, it is a 20, but it's 20 AC. Uh, that's going to hit. It still seems a very effective use. Yeah. <laughs> 15. Slashing damage. It lays me below. Uh, it's a, the tiny kobold falls into the, the sand, still bleeding. And it, it takes just a couple half steps closer, almost like it wants to crush the prone form under its elephant-like feet. Don't like that at all. Okay, it is done. Back to the top of the round. Uh, Tez will shout to Ascarda, angle it this way, a a angle it out this way. And he's like gesturing wildly as mm. he is um, dipping into his bag and uh, <laughs> like throwing things out of his pack very quickly to get to uh, a, uh, a, a thing that he obviously kept in his pack this entire time. Which is a small tent. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right, you have a small tent in your hand and are strewing bits of your equipment into the water. But, you know, if you die, who cares? And if you don't die, get it later. Exactly. Exactly. See, you get you get how no tomorrow works. Uh, <laughs> and I think Tez uses his fast hands to quickly rig the uh, rope or, or whatever it is that, that you use to, like, anchor a tent right to the mm -hmm, ground mm -hmm. right like normally you would kind of like spike it into the ground mm -hmm. he is just quickly tying sailors knots onto the spike uh to to anchor four corners of his tent and then casts it out uh into the breeze to to create a sail ah uh, interesting okay uh and he would like to harness the wind like his forefathers before him in order to pull this thing open. I mean, I want I want to ask for like a use rope check, but um, can I make acrobatic. a son of a son of a sailor check instead? <laughs> you know what? That sounds like a good feature for your background. So sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're tying tying sailors knots, and then also like there's enough wood on this thing that you can you can spike into that as well. So you think you got this pretty securely, uh, and then you are timing it with Escarda, so when she turns the blast, you're throwing it into the air. Uh, can I can I make the argument that this is more of a history check than it is a uh, acrobatics? It's not about how well I throw it. It's more about how well I time it. I think history is the only really way to measure somebody's skill in sailing. <laughs> you have um, tool proficiency in vehicles, water? Uh, 
Uh, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a thing that we wreck on at some point. Yeah. Um, no, it's fine. I'm just going to give it to you. Okay. Because I have no idea where this is going. So, like, okay, you, you're going you're gonna to throw it. But also, like, a Skardic and aim, right? So it's not just all you. But she, she needs to do that on her turn. So, like, what are you doing before, I guess? Yeah, what are you doing? Are you doing anything else? Well, I guess my, my, my feeling is, like, it's probably my bonus action to like get this set up and then it's and probably then my action to and then yeah, yeah. I, I just use my action to toss it right and and the goal here being that the gust of wind will catch the sail the sail will um like have enough momentum with with the the power of the wind to wrench this open and effectively i've opened it on my turn all right so she begins to run forward on on the sand you toss your makeshift parachute essentially in into the air and the blast of air coming from her hands catches it full force what are you hoping happens i'm, I'm hoping it just rips the panel open <laughs> like oh. like this is my lever to actually get the panel open interesting okay in that case let's figure out how securely you attach to this tent and in that case give me mm, a sleight of hand this could be enough it's going to be tight. <laughs> 15 plus 5 is a 20. Wow. All right. Um, the air hits the tent full force, and at first it whips around and then billows as it completely fills. And you have a feeling that if this thing were not 15 feet tall and made of mostly metal, that it might be dragged into the, into the air aloft. But instead, oh wow! This is this is a powerful gust. <laughs> it actually is a pretty it's powerful like gust. Gale force. <laughs> it holds taut for just a moment before flying away at dozens of miles an hour, trailing with it a metal panel and a spike, and bits of root and wood shatter and begin cascading off this thing. And so you're you're like hanging on next to it on the back, right? Yeah, I think I think I'm like hanging on to my my whip now. <laughs> I mean, if we're using Indiana Jones as a as a touch point, it's the end of Temple of Doom when he like makes it out of that like shoot mm-hmm. off the side of the cliff, and then there's just a waterfall, and he's hanging with one hand. Yeah, that tracks. Okay, okay, um, and you can see inside the panel, nestled within is what looks like a rose-colored crystal with reddish veins that almost look like blood running through it. You have Arcana, right? I do. You know what this is. This is an Eberron dragon shard. Ah. And you don't see anything else inside. It's just, well, I mean, you see, like, the apparatus connecting the dragon shard to the innards of this creature. Uh, is it clear what would be what needs to be turned to vermilion in order to turn this off like is there some something in the control or the connection apparatus that would need to be flipped or is it the shard itself you're you're pretty sure it's the shard itself you know enough about dragon shards to know that they come in different hues uh eberron dragon shards will be like a within a particular range kyber will be a different range of like you know blacks and purples and blues Mm. um but you know, you could briefly turn it any color you want with certain kinds of magic. Sure. So that's a Skarda. It's going to go unless you want Scalibro to do something. 
I want to use a magical tinker class feature. Right. <laughs> right. I, I mean, they're close enough, right? They're, it's essentially a cantrip. So Meepo could let you activate that, but Skelebro cannot because he's not a spellcaster. Fair enough. Uh, um, Skelebro could use a potion on Meepo. Skelebro don't have potions. Everyone knows this. He should really carry some potions. <laughs> Please. Tez is such a skin flint, there's no way that he was trusting them with potions. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying, he's he's looking at this giant creature that is using storage in, in its side, and that I think that's a great idea for Scalabro. That is probably... He's not using a... his, lung, his lungs for anything anyway. <laughs> probably a, a good conversation for them to have, but not one that, that Tez has budged on yet. Uh, I think Scalabro will do the thing that makes the most sense to Scalabro, which is grab Meepo and like step away like just disengage uh and and carry meepo to safety okay cool cool right so he he disengages and yep. moves out of uh reach right okay so he's he's backpedaling up the beach yep he's got meepo right. in one hand a, a great sword <laughs> kind of mostly in the other <laughs> <laughs> it's, he can he can still use it defensively protection really? fighting style still still in effect Really hoping this turns out. <laughs> the Titan could try it after them, but I think it's noticed you now. Mm. Make a deck save. Ah, yes. I was built for this. Oh, I was built for this. Uh, 19 plus 6 or 7. Uh, 19 plus 5 is 24. And if it's trying to charm me <laughs> or put me to sleep, it's going to have a bad day. Do you find it charming? Um... It is not trying to charm you. Instead, what it does is it takes its arcane cannon and points it over what would be its shoulder and fires it blindly. Reasonable. Uh, you are able to dodge mostly out of the way, but of course you are hanging on its back, so you definitely end up singed. Fair. Need more d8s. <laughs> not fair. 31 fire damage, but you take half. That is 15 damage, dropping me to 5 foot points. But Tez is still hanging on by uh, by a whip and a prayer. Tez is still in the game. Quite singed, quite burned. Um, Slee's probably still just a little bit on fire. Mm -hmm. But uh, oh yeah, it's his turn. Uh, actually, I think it's Meepo's turn to make a death saving throw. Job. Go for it. Oh, so close to being able to act. 19. Mm. All right. Well, one success. Uh, so if it's Tez's turn, yep. he will reach up to the, uh, like, I think, clamor up, uh, like, onto its back. So he's on his knees, kind of uh, flip his hair, which is slightly singed, uh, out of his face. And plunge his hand into the control mechanism to touch the Eberron shard uh, magically tinker with it uh, mm -hmm. channeling his artificer magic through it and turn it to a brilliant shade of vermilion and brilliant in like a aesthetic way not like a bright I know what vermilion, vermilion isn't it's too dark of a red to be brilliant but you know what I mean it's like it just looks it just looks brilliant in this situation uh, the veins in the Eberron dragon shard seem to begin to 
bleed out and fill the entire shard and then uh, as it becomes opaque the color adjusts to a perfect copy of the vermilion that you saw before uh, and the beast for the first time pauses uh, in mid-fight and its cannon and its swords drop to its side and it stands up straight like it's coming to rest and then it turns slowly in the direction of Ascarda and then it lifts its sword arm and with a swift motion drives one of its swinging long swords through both of the undead corpses in its chassis which crumble as they fall to the ground a sound issues from it that says accepting new instructions shut down and Tez like kind of covers his crotch <laughs> uh, nothing happens and instead Ascarda says why would we want it to do that no I think what it should do is get rid of the witnesses and its blades begin to spin up again takes a few lumbering steps toward Skelebro, who is backpedaling up the beach. That'll be Ascarda and it. It is your turn, and it seems like you initiated a shutdown, but that didn't seem to shut it down. In fact, it seems like Ascarda's in control of this thing now. <sighs> I feel like the way the next part of the story is going to be told is very much like that scene in Always Sunny where Frank is explaining what he did next. And he says, <laughs> so I started blasting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not uncommon for Tez, uh, when in a situation he doesn't like, uh, and he doesn't fully understand, and he's not real thrilled with his options and doesn't have a expedient solution, he starts just trying to wreck things. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, I feel like, I feel like he's just going to, uh, start wrecking the control apparatus, uh, inside this hatch. Uh, he knows, he, he's not foolish enough to think that he can really damage this, uh, Eberron shard, but at the very least he can unseat it or damage some of the controlling mechanisms or otherwise, like, ruin its connection, uh, and figures if this thing goes completely haywire and out of control or it shuts down it's better than being under her control mm -hmm. okay do you want to do that like with attacks or with uh thieves tools arcana what tez is not an experienced artificer but he is at the very least a novice artificer and he understands that there's all types of arcane traceries and magical circuits that are necessary in order to uh power especially a construct of this size with uh, with an Eberron shard. So he is going to take his trusty crowbar, the, the <laughs> thieves tool among thieves tools, and just fit it in there and start wrenching it, trying to damage enough of the arcane circuitry to cause a malfunction or cause a shutdown or otherwise, like, make this thing stop following Ascarda's orders because those are <laughs> acting randomly at this point would be better than following her order 
Yeah, I feel like there's like a, a an inverse parabola uh, of arcane knowledge at work. If you know nothing, you get your crowbar. If you know a little bit, you start trying to do some magic. When you know a lot about magic, you get your crowbar. Right. <laughs> the thing about magic is that it it is like science in Eberron, but science is error prone and requires experimentation. You know, it never requires data. A crowbar. <laughs> All right, so we're going to run this as a Thieves' Tools check. Um, and Tez says under his breath, Ladra, don't fail me now. And you know what? Perhaps it's not a Ladra who doesn't fail him. Perhaps it's the Silver Flame itself. <laughs> because I rolled a 16 plus 3 plus uh, 5 sleight of hand is 24. That is a very good number. So you slip the crowbar into the inner workings uh, in inside this hatch and apply leverage in the way that only a practice thief can. And you definitely hear some couplings give way. Uh, and you can actually see that you haven't arrested the shard from its casing, but you've begun to pop some of the bolts holding the casing to the titan hmm uh, it hasn't stopped yet but yeah yeah yeah. but tez is doing some quick math here uh a shard of this size what's the market value of that oh mm. um probably napkin math 1500 gold yeah okay <laughs> cool 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 there's the the sound of wrenching metal um Ascarda doesn't seem all that worried. In fact, she's like, <laughs> you know, we made a pretty good team, but who was it who told you it was a shutdown code? All right, that was me. That was me. I mean, that was, that was pretty good. This, this was great, right? I didn't, I didn't have to get wet. Didn't have to climb in this big dumb thing. Uh huh. The, the whip move was cool. I mean, certainly I couldn't have done that. I am going to enjoy my revenge so very much and serving it so very cold. Well, who knows? Maybe you'll come back as a revenant. And uh, the wind dies down as she stops concentrating. And you and Skelebro give me wisdom saving throws. Uh, I've out either of us make it. Uh, Tess is a 15 plus 0 and Skeletro has a 7 plus something. 7 plus 1, 8. You're both paralyzed. A couple things happen all at once. Uh, Skeletro and Meepo both gain 21 HP. Okay. So Meepo is f- almost full. <laughs> Skeletro is... Yeah, hold on. Wait a second. You're on the back of this thing... Yeah. No, sorry. You also gained 21 HP. All right. Well, two of us are now one hit point off of max, which is like a whole reset. And you can move again because Ascarda finally, uh, suddenly finds herself a pincushion uh, as a volley of arrows come her way. Now, most of them bounce off her armor. Um, a couple do hit and she seems so surprised by this but that she obviously stops concentrating on her spell and then you can see coming out of the 
tree line. Our elvish friends. Uh, in fact, no. Oh. Uh, is one bullywug. One? One bullywug? One bullywug. Maybe not cowering, but staying near the tree line. Um, a small troop of Thranish regulars armed with longbows. And Hank, the bullywug paladin, uh, now done casting mass cure wounds, uh, is unsheathing his longsword and running to your aid. The most important spell I see on his list is Revivify. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's just playing with house money. Let's go. <laughs> In fact, Tez says, let's go, Hank. Did not see that coming. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello. It's good. It's good to help a fellow human in need. I am so sorry that I did grab you for help in the first place, buddy. Well, we are friends now. Uh, ah. Perhaps, perhaps we should right these wrongs. Let's go, dude. Yes, you seem like a fine, upstanding person who is here to do the right thing. I'm here to wrench, and I'm wrenching. <laughs> Hank believes in you. Top of the round, your turn. Yeah, if it says turn, then Tez is, uh, like, a, a, a wrenching hard on that crowbar, right? Like, he is still trying to just unseat this, uh, this shard. If that seems to be the, uh, the, the path forward is to get this casing out of the way, then he's going to do that. Uh... I think instead of praying, now that he's gotten purchase, I think he's going to just plan to do this multiple times if needed. So he'll fast okay. hands it with a bonus action. Oh, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to need to do this multiple times. That's going to be a two plus Ooh. five. Well, wait, and Eladro's upset that you didn't pray. Uh, um, possibly. Or perhaps because I thought that it might have been the Silver Flame. Mm. Well, to be fair, you were just paralyzed and then unparalyzed. So you go to uh, apply all your weight to the crowbar and uh, your hand slips in what looks like this ichor coming out of the the rotted wood. Just pins and needles all the way up the arm, you know? It's like falling mm. asleep, trying mm. to wake back up. Uh, but with a, with better purchase and, and a better sense of how my fingers work, Tez will pull again. All right, that's better. 14 plus 5 is 19. Much better. Um, there's another wrenching sound, and you hear more bolts pop. You think you've probably got it about halfway. And you can begin to see, like, there there are um, cane filaments connecting this thing uh, deeper into the chassis itself. Uh, Hank goes after you, and he's a full character, so you don't need to spend any points in order for him to do things. Meepo will say uh, another blessing <laughs> ah, he's, mm -hmm. and, and will bless uh, the the three of them, uh, not Hank. Hank is probably good enough on his own uh, and has his own uh, God to pray to. Uh, and then Hank will go and then I'll have a uh, Skelebro charge. Okay. Um, I think Hank is, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Hank is a paladin. Uh, mm -hmm. His first inkling is going to be to deal with Ascarda uh, as she is the target of his retribution so uh, he will charge her with his longsword and make uh, two massive swings 
So a 19 versus AC and a 15 versus AC. The 19, the 19 hits. Okay, that's fine. So that's 2d10 plus four damage will be 10, a four and a four. So 18 slashing damage. Oof, she hates that. So his longsword, his two-handed longsword uh, cleaves into her armor and you can see like she's not a frail old woman like she she takes it standing up um and then looses the uh morning star that Meepo and Scalabro remember very clearly yeah seems like she's ready to counterattack. well if she's gonna do that she's gonna have to do it through Scalabro <laughs> <laughs> because he is uh he's batter up I suppose uh with his own great sword and Meepo's blessing. Uh, he charges in with his sword raised high, finally with the right target, a 17 plus two for the bless, plus, uh, just had this answer, I think it's plus six. Seven. Plus seven. Uh, so 26 for CC. Def- definite hit. Six, a five, plus three damage. 14 more damage with the greatsword. So now she's facing off, uh, armed with the Morningstar against both Hank uh, and Scalabro, uh, taking wounds, but burying them like she's done this before. Yes. Uh, and her turn, right? Yes. She casts, and all around the silvery, translucent form of feathered serpents appear and begin to harry and attack the Bullywug and the Elf. Spirit Guardians. Spirit Guardians, yeah. Which is do, 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 when they enter the area for the first time or start it's start their turn, uh, wisdom save or damage. Okay. So we'll get to that. Okay, so that's what she does. Then uh, Meepo will... Oh no, he's already gone. Right, he blessed. Yep. Uh, so Tez. Top of the round? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Tez, I, I think Tez is <laughs> fast hands and slow hands. He's ripping. Uh, one of them is a 19. The other is a six. So that's a 24 and an 11. All right. More bolts pop. But he isn't able to get the crowbar situated properly for like a, another wrench. He does, though expose enough arcane filament that he feels like what he could do with no roll the next time he has an action is grab those filaments and yank them out which will disconnect the shard from the chassis but it will then fall into the water Hmm. or he can continue his current path and be assured of keeping the shard but he'll need to be rolling Uh, a classic question of Tez's greed against Tez's will to survive (laughs) Um. Yeah, are you going for the Grail? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you don't even need to make, need to make that decision until you have it's a, already, an I action. Did, I needed to make that decision. I made that decision months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when you go to Rogue Archaeology School, okay, you've made this decision. Okay, you don't go to Rogue Archaeology School to walk away. <laughs> I took Moral Quandaries One Hundred and One, and I pass. 
Archaeologists walk away from a challenge. Rogue archaeologists adapt <laughs> and overcome. All right. Uh, all right. Rest of the team. Uh, I think it makes sense to start with Meepo. Uh, he has uh, <laughs> several advantages right now, given that he has pack tactics and bless and the head knocker and a target with a head. And is not currently being harried by Coatl spirits. Also that. Uh, oh, he needed it. Good. I rolled a 7 and an 18 and then 4 on the die, so that's a good That's going to hit. For Stacey. Mm-hmm. 2 plus 5, 7 damage. Ooh, I mean... Look, it clocks her and triggers a concentration check, so let's just see. He literally can't trigger more than a 10 DC <laughs> concentration right. check. I mean, you know, you're trying to make her roll ones, so... Yeah, exactly. Uh, she did not, but she did have to roll, and it wasn't a sure thing. Keep it going. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I believe That's it is Hank's turn, right? Mm-hmm. Hank will uh, make a wisdom save for the thing you said? Yes. He is trained in those. He rolls an 18 plus 4 is 22. 22 is a success. He'll take 5. Uh, 5 radiant total. He is now at 50 hit points. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, why are you fighting me? We're supposed to be on the same side. Uh, oh. And, you know. Oh, he was... oh, they're on the same side, all right. <laughs> <laughs> he rolled a 20 and rolled oh, a 4. Oh, my Oh, he God. doesn't have bless. He doesn't have bless. But still. But he, but he rolled the 20. He rolled the 20. Oh, my God. All right. Roll it uh, up. <laughs> well, he has a second attack as well, which he rolled a 16. Uh, okay. This is going to be a lot. A lot, a lot. I believe this is going to be 6010. Oh, my God. So many d I didn't even get this many D10s because I didn't think I would need them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well then let's just go Hank does not respond with words <laughs> right <laughs> uh, just okay, a big seven, literally full throated croak and <laughs> it's a 7 a 7 a 9 and a 5 which uh, looks to me like 28 and then uh, a 5 and a 3 is 36 and then he adds plus four to each of those attacks. So 44? 44 damage. That would almost have killed a Hank. So his sword blazes with holy light and cuts through several coatal spirits as it drives toward her and strikes true. And he stabs her uh, in the side and with a quick reversal. Um, hits her in the leg and she staggers backward uh, clutches, clutching her side um, that <laughs> she's definitely let's see that is a whoa and all the coatal spirits disappear as her spell fizzles and she can't maintain concentration which you know what saves Scalabro who is still taking this swing <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has bless Nine plus two is eleven plus seven is nineteen. Wait, no, eighteen. Eighteen. Eighteen will hit. Uh, four plus four plus I think four. Uh, four plus four plus three for damage is eleven. Great sword damage. I I like this as like uh these massive blows like come raining in from Hank and then 
like Skelebro is just the opportunist, right? Like as she staggered with the hit to the leg, like he came in from her her weak side and slipped the great sword like through her guard. Right. So it is the Titan's turn. And it raises its swinging swords over its back to smash Tez. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> 11 AC. That will not hit Tez. Is going to miss. The three longswords come swinging in and actually clang against its own uh, armor. And then it swings back around again. Holy crap. And that's a crit. Well. This is a crit intense. So, okay. Before I roll this, Scalabro is uh, in melee with Escarda. You know, on the beach. Meepo, though, is close by enough uh. that he could take this. However, is a crit from the Titan. Oh. I mean, one of us is liable to die here. Hmm. Very possible. And like die-die, right? For mass yeah, damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Meepo has 21 hit points. Out of maximum 21? His maximum is 22. And your maximum? So low. 26. Mm, I I will tell you that... Oh, sorry, 27. The, the math is... Yeah, either of you could die. Die-die. Yeah. And again, it's not necessarily Tez sacrificing Meepo, right? It's Meepo could be making something heroic. It could be that the Titan targeted him in the first place. <sighs> Indeed. You know, sometimes you just don't have enough tools in, or enough arrows in the quiver. Uh, I think it's... I mean, I feel like it would go for Meepo, right? Like, the... Meepo is a, a a small target alone on the beach. Mm-hmm. Tez is doing something on its back, but not really harming it. And I don't know how much kind of sensory awareness it would have without its handlers. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, it does make more sense for him to target Meepo or for it to target Meepo. Uh, I'm almost certain I'm going to be scrambling for a way to save Meepo shortly. So then in the fiction, um, it swings at its own back and that clangs off and it misses Tez and then in the back swing the long swords swing back into the forearm out comes the 10 foot greatsword and it almost out of nowhere brings it straight down at Meepo who doesn't see it coming but nobody does he takes come on less than 43 damage it is hold it straight 43 slashing damage. Alright. Max 22 hit points and is at 21 hit points, right? Yep. It reduces him to zero and the packet of damage is greater than his maximum HP, which is an insta-kill. So, the... Yeah, I don't think he sees this coming. I think he is just gored. uh, Uh, (laughs) Pinned. Pinned right into the sand. Yeah. With a 10-foot greatsword through his chest and the blood the, the sand that was speckled with blood previously is now drenched and then the creature pulls the sword with a quick jerking motion back out and it slides out cleanly and then the tiny scaly kobold body lies there completely motionless 
And Ascarda says, That didn't have to happen. This is on your head. We could have just stuck to the deal. You can't blame me for the order you issued. Just like you can't blame Malfunction for the cover-up you created. I can't believe you don't feel bad about your friend. It's like you don't have a conscience. Is it Tez's turn? Top of the round. Uh, Wait, so she has to go. And she... Hank makes a charisma saving throw. Hank makes a charisma saving throw, you mean? We'll see. (laughs) Uh... He has a plus six charisma, so that's a 14 plus six is 20. Oof, okay. I Actually, I, if it was wisdom, he probably fails because he's only plus four wisdom. Well, good on him. No, he um, almost like shivers bodily, not because he's cold, but like his, his form uh, is moving back and forth rapidly and then it solidifies. Uh, then he, he says... Why are you trying to send me away? I thought we were on the same side. And it seems some sort of teleportation or banishment, banishment. perhaps. (laughs) Hmm, Yeah, didn't quite work. She seems a little crestfallen, but still determined. But now it is Tess's turn. (sighs) And he's presented with the option again. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, so so Meepo's down. Mm -hmm. uh, And he has a... Meepo's dead. Like, obviously dead. Yeah, so he... He has a free action or, or a free way of shutting this thing down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he rips out the thing. It lands in the water, and he leaps from its back. Uh, he's going to murder Escarta. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he rips out the filaments. He doesn't worry about the uh, the shard. As soon as he rips out the filaments, the uh, entire beast gives a great shudder and then like slumps forward. Uh, and topples front first into the sand. And Tez, as it's falling, just casually leaps off its back uh, into the sand and starts uh, at top speed toward Ascarda. Correct. Uh, So that's uh, the bonus action. Interact with an object. Uh, Yeah, and now it's the action. Sneak attack. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, go for it. You can definitely close the distance. Uh, he no longer has Bless, but he is still uh, fueled by uh, Aladra's justice for his good, good friend. 18 plus 6 is 24 versus AC. That's a definite hit. Uh, and you have allies adjacent, so this is a sneak attack. Uh, 6, 5, and 7. 18 plus 4 22 magical rapier damage I hope she falls <laughs> uh, 22 is a lot um, where do you stab her uh, well does this kill her it does not kill her that's disappointing uh, Tez will stab her squarely through the thigh uh, mm-hmm. if Tez can't kill her outright then this is Tez like exacting as much pain as you can right it's to it's uh, to the pain <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so as tez is running at her she's not looking at him she's looking at the titan behind him that he has just felled uh and now for the first time her like jovial grandmotherly cackling demeanor has changed and shifted to 
worry. She looks crestfallen. Like, she certainly didn't expect something like this, and now she is facing three formidable opponents, uh, one of whom has just run her through the thigh. Um, and as Tez pulls his rapier out, uh, she makes a quick assessment of the situation, looks over at the regulars who are still at the tree line, uh, at Hank and his big sword, and Scalabro and his even bigger sword, and you with a murderous glint in your eyes. And it seems, she seems to decide that she actually likes having Hank there, and says, All right, I guess you got me. And then she looks at the paladin and says, Take me in. Uh, I believe mm -hmm. that uh, I can take a party action between Hank <laughs> and and uh, Tez, correct? Y you certainly can. Uh, I think as she says that, she has to dodge a, uh, a swing from Skelebro as he creates an opening for Tez. <laughs> All right, so she is trying to surrender to the paladin, not realizing that the paladin is not the, the PC here. Uh, so... <laughs> not realizing that Tez will deal with the paladin right after he deals with her. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, Skelebro swings uh, his greatsword in what Tez can tell is not a way that is going to kill Escarda, but mm -hmm. it does make her reposition and dodge, leaving an opening for Tez to make a melee attack. 13 plus 6? No, yeah, 13 plus 6 with a rapier, because it's plus 1. 19 versus that, AC. That hits. Uh, it strikes me that I can't sneak attack with this, huh? Um, no, we decided that you can, because oh. just in the way that, like, it's yeah, technically yeah. a different turn, but uh, honestly, it's really just a, a power level thing. Okay, four, four, and eight. That's 16 plus four. 22 more damage with a right, plus one rapier. And I am going to say that this time anyway, um, Hank cannot use his protection fighting style to give you disadvantage because he's because not expecting I'm this at all. <laughs> <laughs> because, because someone has... Uh... How can anyone still be fighting? Fair enough. Uh, he looks a little shocked and surprised uh 22 you say yes this is a melee attack yes do you knock Ascarta out or do you kill her she dead <laughs> all right how what happens uh i think yeah so i uh tez has just stabbed her through the leg right she has tried to like back away and and offer sur surrender uh as a as an established team, um, the greatsword swing from Skelebro kind of pushes her back back into Tez, right? Like so, just kind of like rather than being able to continue to back away, like Skelebro has now kind of corralled her back towards Tez, and as she kind of ducks out of the way of Skelebro, uh, Tez slips the rapier right through like the the side of her armor and like through her kidney and and just like she kind of just gets that look on her face of surprise of like this shouldn't be possible as she she takes like a, a very conscious step away and just sees blood running to the hilt of the rapier and expires as much from the shock as from the uh the blood so she has preferred her surrender 
and because she's dealing with the Paladin of the Silver Flame, she fully expects that... I mean, you're playing tag and she's on base now, right? She's called timeout. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, now she's a ghost man on first. <laughs> and she does not understand that other people are uh, playing by uh, Lazar rules, if we will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and she is skewered and uh, is... There's a shocked look on her face as she crumples to the ground. But even more shocked is the paladin, the bullywog paladin, whose already large mouth is now hanging agape, looking at Ascarda and your bloody sword. And he looks up at you, and he almost looks sad, and he says, There has been too much bloodshed today. And he looks down at Ascarda, and then he turns and looks over at Meepo in the sand. And he reaches into his satchel at his side and takes out what looks like a small diamond and he says I can only save one so Tez make your case you have betrayed this paladin's trust by killing a prisoner right in front of him Mm -hmm. Hank we came out here to find the truth and to bring justice to all the victims. No sooner than we had that justice in hand did she betray us and try to eliminate the witnesses to cover her tracks and her culpability. So, if you think that she deserves to live, that's fine. Meepo, Skelebro, me, we knew the risks of coming out here. But Meepo was here to do the right thing. And she died because she did the wrong thing. And I swore an oath that I'd have my revenge. And I've had it. And with that, he hands his rapier over to Hank and says, I'm done fighting today. But it's your conscience you'll have to ask. Mine is clean. And Hank says, You do not want your friend to live? Oh no, I absolutely do. But it's not my choice. It's yours. You know, I have to live with, I have to live with the risk that I asked my friends to take. You'll have to live with whatever decision you make here of who deserves a second chance. Meepo is trying to do the right thing. He doesn't seem upset at all. Now, now he seems almost philosophical. And he looks sort of deep into your eyes and says, do you not think? And he looks down at Escarta. A war criminal should stand trial? She cannot do that if she is dead. Hank, I haven't known you a long time. But I'm from the Lazar. She stood trial. Guilty. No, let me ask you this above the table. Do you want to make a persuasion check? Or do you want RP talk it out? Um, I would rather roleplay it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tez, I mean, Tez very much wants Meepo to be revivified. Right, sure, yeah. <laughs> right, but like, he is also, I think, like, seeing red... And I don't think he can make a persuasive argument. I think he can only really, like, spout platitudes, <laughs> right? Like, there's a there's a bit of, like, frustrated chest thumping here. I don't think uh, I don't think a persuasion rule makes a lot of sense for him. I think this is, uh, you know, I, I, I really think this is this is Hank's decision. Mm-hmm. Um, what should I tell the keeper? I was sent here with a job to do. And it, he doesn't, it, you don't get the sense this is a rhetorical question. Right. You actually don't think Hank 
asks rhetorical questions. Yeah, right. I don't think he's capable, right? <laughs> he's too literal. Uh, Hank, tell the keeper exactly what happened. That to her dying action, Ascarta tried to cover her tracks and escape with her crimes. That to the last, she would only use your goodwill in order to benefit herself. That she had no remorse that she had no intent in her heart of changing, of of paying for her crimes. All she intended to do was to survive another day so that she could go on with her deception and figure out some other way to escape. And that is no longer a problem. A war criminal was brought to justice, perhaps more quietly than we would have preferred, but she got the ignoble end she deserved. That's justice. All right. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do this. I think we need to find out if Hank is more lawful or more good. And I'm going to leave that up to the dice. Which is which in this situation? <laughs> I mean, if he if he does the lawful thing, it's he... He revivifies her, right? Yeah, definitely. And, then takes and the good thing custody. is revivified Meepo. It's one, two, three, or four, five, six. And Aladra has spoken. <laughs> So Hank looks, like, gazes down at the diamond. And he clutches it in in his webbed green hand. And then almost reluctantly, he takes a step toward Escarda and kneels down. And with his other hand, closes her eyes and straightens her cloak. And then folds one part of it over her face and then he stands and trudges through the sand over to Meepo kneels down, crushes the diamond in his hand and presses it into the wound and Meepo's chest glows a bright golden color and then heaves as air rushes into his lungs and his eyes flutter open and his snout snaps like a, a big yawn like he's waking up. Mm, this was a good nap. And Hank stands and comes back over to Tez and says, You have given me much to think about. I do not know if I have made the right decision, but I have made a decision. One, two, three was lawful. Four, five, six was good. And I said a lodger spoke. That was a six. That was... That was, <laughs> that was I mean, make I no thought... bones about this. It's Meepo. You had me going because when you said Eladra spoke, I was like, oh, good. It, it's in it's in Meepo's favor. But then when he walked over to Eladra, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was a generic speaking. It wasn't a specific <laughs> speaking. <laughs> so after their adventure finally concludes, they follow Hank and the cowering regulars back to town, uh, carrying Ascarda's body on a bier using the notes collected by Mayor Duvazin before her untimely demise, uh, Tez, Meepo, and Scalabro enter into the factory and conduct a, a ritual to purge the Meanlocks and send them back to Thalanus. And there's no great celebration like when everyone thought the Chimera and the Beast was dead. It's, it's muted. <laughs> the uh, only real gathering place in town is burned to the ground. Uh, but Lucas doesn't seem all that upset when he sees Tez trudging back into town along with Hank 
and he gives him a gives Scalabro a nod. Uh, raises an eyebrow at the gaping hole in the front of uh, Meepo's studded leather, uh, and then says to Tez, "So we had a deal. We did. Mm. You uh, man of your word. I'm a man of my word, but Lucas, why don't I offer you an alternative? Look, you can take half of this." We can go our separate ways. You can okay. rebuild your inn and and finish out your days here. But as you said, you're an old man. You've lived here a long time. What if you join me? Come back to Sharn with me and spend the rest of your days living. See a bit of the world. By the look of things, I think I'd be dying mostly. Well, I mean, <laughs> sure. Look, uh, we're always in need of somebody to uh, help us, you know, uh, cook trail rations and uh, keep track of our stuff back in the tavern and, you know, like uh, all types of, of odd things that need to be handled in town whenever we're moving about or researching things or, or whatever, right? You'll get to see the world. You'll be safe. I, we pretty much never burn down taverns. Certainly not without warning. You'd be the first to know. You can stay far away from all the danger, and you can still get to see the world a little bit. Uh, look, it's... <laughs> I know your entire life has been consumed by the last war. Like, all you've known since then is this little town. It's such a small piece of the, the wide world. Like, come see some of it with us. See Sharn, at least. You know, even if you never want to leave Sharn, there's so much there for you. Mm. This, uh, this Sharn, they, uh, they got any dinosaurs? Oh, at Morgrave University, they got dinosaurs. You want living dinosaurs, dead dinosaurs? I mean,. Yeah, I mean, straight from the Talenta Plains. No problem. We got zoos in Sharn that have, like, entire dinosaur paddocks. And you can see a little sparkle in his eye. Like, uh, I mean, he's 95 years old, but you can see maybe the, the young, adventurous boy that he, he once was. And he says, mm. well, I can't say I'll necessarily be gallivanting with you through swamps and whatnot. Wouldn't mind to see a bit of the world. Plus, 2,500 gold pieces, I think I could buy myself a nice little inn. Exactly. And look, look, how about this? Come with us to Sharn. If you don't like it, I'll give you your gold. I'll even buy your ticket back to where you're, wherever you want to go. If you do like Sharn, stick with us. Gives a, gives a nod and says, well, I'm ready anytime. I got nothing to pack anymore. Gives you a, a hard stare and then a half a grin and uh, heads off. Hank takes his leave uh, of you. He, he says quietly, I will think about what you said when I return to Flamekeep and the Keeper. But... He sort of gives what seems like a, almost a, a giggle. Uh, says, you're very lucky that the horses told me where you were. 
Uh, yes. Well, Hank, I'm... Look, I'm... It was great to meet you, Hank. Uh, I, I wish you... The best of everything. I'm just glad my disguise was so good. <laughs> what disguise? And Tez grins. Did you know I was an operative of the Keeper of the Flame? No. Then my disguise was very good. When you mentioned the Keeper, like, I, you know, I didn't think it was the Keeper of the Flame. Keeper of the Flame? She's very nice. You should say hi sometime. Are, I mean, if I'm ever in Flame Keep, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look you up. Try not to get killed first. As you can see, sometimes there are differences of opinion, even within the church. Uh, fair enough. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll keep a wide berth around Flame Keep for a little while. If you do not die, it will be fun. Okay. So it's a couple of days just tying up loose ends. Um, and because Ascarda is dead, it actually is Duhamel who needs to award you the 5,000 gold pieces. Uh, and he does so through gritted teeth. But as you have seen, he carries out his duty and he does hand it over. Uh, in platinum pieces. So it's actually just one small pouch. Disappointing. I was hoping it'd be like a whole chest, you know? This I, is Tez to <laughs> Duhamel. I, I, I kind of, you know, I just kind of thought it'd be... Like, have you ever... Have you ever wanted to, like, swim in a pool made of coins? I thought I was... I thought I... I really thought I was going to have a chance this time. When you return to Char, and I'm sure you could trade it for copper pieces and swim through a filthy moat. That's really what you want. Try not to spend it all in one place. I will probably spend it making my friends whole after this one, but thank you uh, for and doing the right thing. No reply, and he walks on off. Finally. Uh, the trust, or at least uh, the... My arcane pager. <laughs> right, the the... A trading company that has financed your expedition uh, sends a carriage to retrieve you. And when you're finally ready to leave, you step inside uh, after, and Scalabro and uh, Meepo are loading luggage on the back. And inside, uh, waiting for you, and you're not sure how she got in here, is the elf. She says, Close the door. <sighs> Tez gets inside and closes the door. Uh, her, she's sort of like leaning nonchalantly, like she's not worried about anything. And she says, you are lucky that my horse has overheard your entire plan. Next time, try not to give all the exposition in front of talking animals. Uh, what do you mean? Well, they were my horses. So yeah. no one bothered you. Mm -hmm. But you know, there are people who can turn into animals. It could have been anyone. Your enemies? You need to be more careful. What I, What are you talking about? If I hadn't let word to your talking horses, Hank never could have figured out what we were doing because I didn't have time to reach him, and then he never could have followed us and saved the day. So uh, thank I... you. My expert planning, once again, uh, flawlessly executed, lands exactly where it needs to. Uh -huh. What? 
So what are you even talking about? You're playing chess. I'm playing. You're. you're what's the game called? It's Regicide in 40k. What is it? In? I think it's just a dragon chess. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're playing dragon checkers. I'm playing dragon chess. <laughs> she says, "Ah, I see. So, flapping your mouth is all part of your plan." Well, I'll tell you, with just the two of us, others of our organization would have killed you already. But you would be wise to keep our name out of your mouth, especially when you're in public. And you can see that as she's breathing, there's a cold mist that she's exhaling, even though it's not cold right now and there's no fog. Tez is quickly trying to do the math of who he accidentally told about this. <laughs> uh, and then she continues and says, Every chamber has an entrance, but be careful that the only exit isn't a tomb. I didn't lie to you. I was wondering if it was a dragon. Weren't you? Uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew this wasn't a dragon. This obviously wasn't a dragon. Yes, this... Didn't didn't fit the profile. This beast obviously wasn't a dragon, but... Um, our portents indicated there was a draconic influence here. And I think we've been proven correct. Did you find something strange? Something you didn't expect? Uh, Tez, like, leans forward and raises an eyebrow skeptically and says, You, for one... We ended up here, I think, for the same reasons. There was something odd about the beast, something you'd seen elsewhere. Yeah, I have. He is moving in the world again. Who's that? And for a moment, it's it's like there's a hurricane inside the carriage, and her eyes glow, and her breath is like frost. And from deep within her throat is like this guttural roar and for just a moment you get you get a glimpse of scales and eyes like a cat and she says a shark log and then it's gone and she says remember what I said keep our name out of your mouth but we may have to work together at some point to stop him and she goes to open the carriage steps out turns back and says the name by the way is Kumo Sumera. She closes the carriage and leaves. And Tez, who speaks Draconic, realizes that that name means Cloud Goddess. Tez quickly pokes his head out the window of this carriage and says, Have a great day, your scaliness. She's already gone. She heard. I'm sure she heard. He says to himself <laughs> and nods. <laughs> she heard. And that's it for this season of our actual play. Let us know what you thought of it. Things that you might want to see differently. Things you might want to see us do. Uh, we have plans for the future adventure, adventures of Tez and pals. Um, so I'm sure that'll those will play out sometime in the future as well. But thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Uh, before we leave, we should talk about how our listeners can do that. How they can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. 
You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are conducting our Season 2 debrief where we will talk about why we made the choices we made, what we changed from the adventure, and of course, most importantly, what we would do differently if we were going to do this again. Indeed. There might even be a couple listener questions. Hmm. Well, that's it for episode 306 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.